thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. So we're going to carry on with uh, this idea of how we grow, perhaps not employment, but certainly work. And this is a story that came from uh, the, the uh, Johannesburg Business School. And Pilo Sokele is a faculty member of the Johannesburg Business School, which is a faculty of the University of Johannesburg. And Pilo has written something, and it was, um, in fact, it was put out on social media with a focus on how we look at a transition to a contactless economy. So what is a contactless economy? Well, maybe similar in many ways to a contactless sport. I don't know. We're about to find out. Pilat, thank you so much for joining us. Um, good morning, Michelle, and uh, good morning to you, listeners. Thank you for having me. When we talk about a contactless economy, what are we talking about? The fact that people will no longer use cash anymore and how realistic is that in a country like South Africa? Um, well, Michelle, that is a very good question. Um, so when you talk about uh, contactless uh, economy, we're talking about people paying without using um, physical cash. And it's a growing trend. Um, a lot of uh, businesses are moving towards that direction. Um, especially uh, with, with COVID-19 and um, the restrictions that were brought by the pandemic in terms of um, the contact. So it, it's definitely a possibility in South Africa, as uh, we've seen quite a, a significant adoption and, and, and change in terms of how people uh, transact uh, during the COVID-19 and post-COVID-19, as we see today. Um, I mean, a lot of people are using their cell phones um, uh, functionality to tap to pay, um, to scan and pay for products um, and, 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 and service providers. So it's definitely a growing trend, and, and South Africa is impacted by that. So you say it's a growing trend, but I, and, and there are assumptions that, that are made with that, and I suppose the assumptions are, well, people who uh, have a deeper understanding of technology or who have access to technology are able to do it. Then, of course, there is the challenge of, um, I mean, uh, of some people of certain generations who just simply would not look at something like SnapScan. I mean, I had an incident yesterday where I was in a restaurant and then at the end of the, the, the meal they said, well, we actually do our card, credit card is not working and neither is our cash. You have to use SnapScan. Now, I don't mind that, but I thought it was very assumptive of them that I they should have told us that upfront at the beginning of the meal. So now that's me. Now, what happens if I'm uh, with my grandmother or something in a very rural area? She's never going to say, well, I want to use SnapScan. Well, certainly that is a, a big problem. And, um, you know, part of what I research about is, is exactly that. Yeah. Um, there's a very huge gap in terms of uh, the have and the have not. Yeah. Um, in a theoretical term, we call it the digital divide. There's quite a number of um, uh, articles published around that. And the issue here, uh, Michelle, is that um, those who have access and knowledge to use these new digital payment technologies are actually you know, uh, capitalizing on them. But those who don't have uh, the know-how um, are really struggling. And, and I think that's what uh, the major financial services are trying to do in terms of um, financial inclusion, including those that um, don't know how to use these payment technologies. 
I mean, when you mention this example of eating at a restaurant, a couple of uh, weeks ago, I was in the UK, in, in, in Glasgow. Yeah. And to my surprise, when I entered into a restaurant, um, the usual thing is you find a waiter or somebody waiting at you, uh, for you at the door, and then they'll accompany you to your table, and then they'll start asking you to, um, you know, what are you ordering, would you like some time, and whatnot. And to my surprise, um, there was nobody. Um, I was in one of the restaurants that side. Uh, there was nobody um, actually accompanying you to the table. And, I mean... I was shocked by the accent. On top of that, I'm also shocked by the fact that it's a different way of, uh, you know, a service. And on my table, I saw there was a, a QR code, a, a code that said "scan here to begin ordering." And I thought, what is this thing? Okay, let me check it out because I'm 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 well aware of what what is the topic of QR coding. Um, so I scanned it. It showed me the menu, and then I clicked, and then it showed me the payment options, and then I clicked. And I thought, this is absolutely amazing because I don't have to actually have somebody on my, you know, on my shoulder constantly asking me, are you ready to, are you ready to order? Are you ready to order? But then again, there's another human being out there that doesn't know how to use these things. Yeah. And the, the biggest problem we have in Michelle is the literacy, digital literacy. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's what we should really be investing in, in terms of educating people on, you know, how to use all these features that come with digital banking, um, and Michelle. You know, you talk about digital banking. I mean, that you're, in your article, what, what, what was interesting was this, was A, you spoke about the issue of language with regards to digital banking, but you also spoke about the lack of trust in institutions. And I thought that was a very potent thing. Uh, you know, I, you, you see it on Twitter all the time where people may complain about their bank or whatever the case may be. And it doesn't demonstrate a high level of trust. Mm. Yeah. So, I, yeah, go for yes, it. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, um, you know, the issue of trust comes with transparency. Yeah. And I think that's what we're lacking in, 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 the, in the banking system, or rather let me say the traditional banking system, because now with the whole new banking um, space with um, a, a, a decentralized uh, uh, banking system, there's a bit of transparency, but that's in the near future. Yeah. So the issue with, with trusting you know, the service providers currently is, is transparency. Um, I mean, it's very difficult for you to actually track and trace where the transaction is going and where exactly who looks at the transaction when you've clicked the button um, send. It's, it's very difficult for you to actually know or see or track and, and, and find out where is it going, has it uh, uh, reached the, 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 the intended uh, recipient. And what will happen then is if it doesn't reach the intended recipient, the problem then becomes how do you reverse that payment? The process of reversing that payment also becomes a redundant process because now you get charged for that, you get, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long process. Now, it, it increases the issue of um, trusting the banking system, and that's what we see. That's why, you know, you'll find a lot of people preferring actually to to withdraw the cash, as we see in long queues at, at, at the banking uh, ATMs, where people withdraw cash so that they see the cash and then give it to the individual so that they feel confident that that person has received the money. 
Yeah. Peter Sunday, if people are interested in, in reading your article and, and this transition, how, where do they find it? So, so the article is published on uh, the independent uh, uh, IOL yeah. at the present moment, but uh, there will be a series of these articles that uh, will be released. And um, part of uh, the Johannesburg Business School, um, you know, you can follow our social media pages um, to find out more about um, you know the article because it's quite a you know I I'm, I always get. Um, sort of excited when I write about digital payments because I'm a consumer as well. Yeah. And I've experienced quite a, a lot of frustration with with the banking system over and above the fact that I already know and I read about the features as they come out. Well, we look forward to uh, you sending uh, them through to us as well. We're very happy to broadcast them. I think they are conversations that many people need to be having and thinking about as we move forward in the world. Pila Sande Sokela is a faculty member at the Johannesburg Business School, which is a faculty of the University of Johannesburg, UJ, and uh, focusing on the transition to a contactless economy and the challenges that it raises and uh, what are the languages that we see it taking place in and how do we deal with with those as well. You're with thought leaders, storytellers and griots. And as I mentioned earlier, this is where we look at what is going on in the media that may not have made the front page of the news. And certainly this one might not have made the front page of the news uh, with regards to the specifics of it. And that is as follows.